Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter, they shape markets, and sometimes they change the world. Uh, we have on the phone today, Jason Bayak, who is uh, Director of Workplace Experience, Security, and Resilience, and, uh, and also a member of the Great Conversation community. He is with GoDaddy. Jason and I just had a brief conversation that I said we've got to hit the record button on. And, and Jason, I'm going to frame it like this. Why are you focused at this period in time of having a jam session, essentially? I think it's with a, another consultant on workplace standards. Why are you having that today? What's your sense of urgency? And what, what is going to be unique about your approach? Well, it's a couple of things. Um, you know, since I've been at GoDaddy, we've grown dramatically, both organically and, and via acquisition. And one of the things that you find in the M&A world is how do you right size or get to, um, you know, that core standard. And oftentimes at the beginning, they're not written down. Um, they're a bit uh, ad hoc. They're, they're more contained in somebody's brain and generally understood and you map to it. Um, but when you get into the world of M&A, it's a lot more difficult to maintain. Uh, because, you know, costs matter, margins matter. And, you know, not every startup in the world is going to have a really robust uh, security operation. And, and so part of the, the piece came from, you know, what are the outcomes that we're trying to uh, introduce? Or, you know, what are the outcomes that we're trying to align towards? And then how do our standards enable that? And from there, everything else filters. Um, I think a lot of times in security, we take a look at uh, the process first right? Because we're, we're all problem solvers by nature. And so we face a problem and we go, okay, we can solve that problem. Let's introduce this process. Let's get another guard. Let's do this or that. And, and the part that we often miss or sometimes miss, I should say, is, is, you know, does that help us achieve our outcome? Like, are we ultimately, do we have those North Star alignment, um, you know, kind of uh, outcomes that we want to reach um, that we, we bounce or validate those processes off of? And, you know, so I think that it, it makes communication with the business a lot easier uh, because you can say, well, why do we need these guards? Well, because look, here's what we do as security officers. We respond to medical emergencies. We do exterior patrols to avert uh, vehicle break-ins. Um, you know, we do escorts into our, you know, restricted areas. And, oh, okay. Yeah, that all makes sense. Well, but here's the thing. We do a thousand escorts a year. Um, you know, we have three vehicle break-ins due to the area that we're in and our neighbors also have vehicle break-ins. So our guards deter those people from coming to our facility. And we have X number of medical emergencies, uh, this many of which require transport, meaning they're of a certain criticality. And, and so when you're able to capture the outcome and the thing that we do, you put the, the activity-based metrics on top of it. And the communication with the business becomes very clear. Well, you mixed um, in something into the soup, though, uh, that you didn't say initially. And that is, you do have paint. So you threw out the paint. We do have these, you know, uh, in, in a large number of escorts. We have these many break-ins. We have this kind of crime. So you do put that in the soup as you begin to discuss outcomes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, so the, solving the problem is easy. If, if you have a problem that you can articulate to the business and then you bring a solve, you can still talk about, you know, here's the problem, here's the outcome, uh, here's the standard that helps us get there and that's how we measure to it. But I think the harder conversation is when it's, the problem isn't articulated as clearly because it's not something that's happened. 
it's the risk-based approach, right? Uh Um, So you have to also guard against those things that maybe have not happened. And and how do you level up? Um, And and how do you find those? I think that's where outcomes really help. You know, I mean, when we talked about medical emergency, I mean, those are the easy examples. Um, But supply chain security programs. Now you're having to really make some inferences and dig deeper. Um, You know, so when you talk about alignment to the business, some of those examples change and some of those storylines and storyboards change on how you communicate them. So they're not always the, you know, one plus one equals two security problem, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but it is a good formula. uh, And I think it's right to expand upon, you know, for those larger uh, and higher level communications. So um, before a standard exists, you either have a problem or a potential risk condition And you don't want to go quickly to solving it because your job is to define the outcome, not necessarily just the problem. You are trying to get to an end result with the North Star probably being the, your, your GoDaddy team experience, if you will, how they experience security. And then, uh, and then from there you can begin to, um, templatize, standardize certain, um, form and fit and function of your security program within context of wherever you are. Am I reading you right? No, absolutely. And, you know, the thing that it, it does as the organization grows is it gets you out of um, the weeds, right? If, if you can communicate those outcomes, not only to the business, but to your subordinates, then they understand how to adjust their processes to meet those outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it becomes a little bit of a game of whack-a-mole. Yeah. Um, and, and you want to avoid that. Yeah. Why do we have in this industry, what, because you mentioned this, why do we have this almost institutionalized, I have it all in my head approach. I have it all in my CPP approach because you're not referring, when you refer to standards, you're talking very specific and in context, GoDaddy standards. You're not necessarily going to industry standards. Is that correct? Well, I, I think you draw upon them. Uh-huh. And, you know, I think it matters. And there's, there's a, a myriad, like a large library that you can draw from. I mean, there is ANSI, there is ASIS, there is uh, CIS, right? When you get into the, the IT and the cybersecurity world, um, you know, and then there's regulatory requirements, PCI, DSS. Um, you talk about, uh, you know, we're, we're an SSL cert provider. So we have a PKI operations guide. So anything that's vulnerable to external audit helps you develop standards. Um, and, and I think that by drawing upon those, that, that helps communicate to the business, uh, most importantly, because there's the must do's, there's the should do's or shall do's. Um, and, and I think that ultimately, and I mean, you, you know, my background, I've, I've, I've sat on both sides of the fence with IT and, and corporate security. And I think there's a lot of lessons to learn. Um, and in the IT space, that is generally, right, you've got a, in the governance model, you've got a policy, you've got a standard, potentially a guideline, and then you have a process or procedure. Um, and I think we skip over the standards um, across the board. I, I think it's the biggest gap in security, whether it be IT or corporate, but it's the, it's the part that actually matters. Um, and if you dig deep into governance in particular, you understand that we, as, as, a, as a professional group, grossly misuse the word policy, right? A policy is we are going to have an access control program. That's it, right? 
we're going to require people to wear badges. A standard is when you get into, um, you know, the technology within the badge or, you know, the types of badges or whether or not they have photos on them or what to do, you know, and then the process is how do you issue it? How do you, what do you do when you lose it? Um, you know, and those examples span, but oftentimes we put the, the process and the standard into the policy, which quickly makes it unmanageable, you know, and, and I forget the numbers specifically, but if you, if you read up on governance, it'll say that, you know, your policy should be enduring. I mean, they should be reviewed annually or, you know, every three years. And so they, they can't change every time one of the little details change. Um, and your standard should be more flexible. Um, and in a true governance model, it also comes down to, you know, who uh, has to evaluate. Um, you know, if your chief legal officer, general counsel, and or board needs to sign off on policies, well, you don't have the flexibility to make those changes and you shouldn't be using those words. Um, standards are different, right? Maybe those are business unit leaders um, and they're, they're agreeable. And there is also waiver authority, right? Every, every standard has an exception and there just has to be an authority that says, I accept that risk on behalf of the business. Um, you know, but I think that that's also a great tool for a security professional because once you get consensus, you know, and, and GoDaddy is a growing large organization. So we have business units and, and the, a larger GoDaddy leadership team. So gaining consensus across that standard, um, you know, is a little bit maybe some peer pressure uh, where there isn't risk acceptance. By one part of the business mm -hmm. because this larger group has said yes we agree to this yes we understand the reason why um, and ultimately yes we accept the cost mm -hmm. and you know before we got on to uh, the recording you had asked me a question about innovation well but that's where innovation really comes in business innovation is always about doing things faster and cheaper but to the same outcome and so when you have the standard you know and i think one of the things that that we suffer from in this industry right now is that oftentimes our solution for uh, increased activity is more humans. And that's not always the right answer, uh, both from a cost perspective as well as from an outcome perspective. And so when you have those measurements, because the other thing that standards give you is, is the dashboard view. How are we doing, right? Because you can get into things like SLAs. How long does it take to achieve this outcome? What's acceptable and what's not acceptable? Um, and when you have that information, you can then say, hey, geez, our mean time to contain on this particular incident type is X, and that's not acceptable. So what can we do to drive that number down to Y? Is it the introduction of more people? Is it better process? Is it automation or technology? And, and being able to target that and again, it becomes the vehicle for how we communicate it to the business mm -hmm. because it's very clear. Look, we have this thing. It happens this many times. It takes us this long to achieve the desired outcome. Mm -hmm. If we're comfortable with that, great. If we're not, here are ways that we can reduce that time or, you know, in, in a perfect world, reduce the occurrence. Let's not be reactionary, but how do we get proactive and say that are there ways for us to reduce the occurrence itself? Um, the impact of the occurrence. And, and when you start to speak in those terms, it, things become a lot easier, uh, you know, to communicate. Well, you know, very interesting you bring up when you start defining and speaking to those terms. GoDaddy, like most companies, uh, leverage outside resources. And uh, so 
so this is new kind of thinking. It really is. This is new kind of thinking. Uh, uh, in statistical process control, we know that non-value-added touch points increase complexity in a process, increase the time to value, the time to outcome. Uh, we know those things occur. It's been in manufacturing for years, total quality management. You're essentially bringing total quality management into your security planning process, aren't you? Yeah, I think so. And I'm, I'm not an expert on total quality management. I joined the Air Force after they stopped using it. Um, but, you know, it, 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 I, I think I've drawn upon, you know, a, a number of different methodologies that are out there. Um, and, you know, it, ultimately, this is, I think, what works for GoDaddy. I, I mean, I've been there for a number of years. They seem to keep me around. So, you know, I guess that's validation to some degree. Um, you know, and I, I think that it's, it, it might not be a universal uh, answer, but it definitely works in, in our space. So how do you find, again, how do you find outside parties, let's call them consultants for a second, advisors, how do you find people who think in those terms? Are they out there? And if so, uh, what is the process that they're using to take a, a customer like you through this? Yeah, you know, I think that there's, well, there's, there's a ton of consultants out there, which is, um, makes it harder because, you know, there, a lot of them, uh, you know, do operate from kind of that standard body of knowledge and they want to draw upon that. Um, and, and we're, we're always a little bit outside that model. Um, you know, I, I always refer to, uh, to us, uh, I guess to be politically correct, I'll say the, the, uh, the high maintenance partner. Um, you know, we are, we're going to require a lot from people and we're going to want things a little bit differently. Um, but I also say to folks that if you partner with us and you help us get to the outcome that we're looking for, it's likely going to be beneficial to you in the long term, because I see other people going in that direction. I think there's a, there's a gap in the market. The market wants it. Um, and I'm not just making this up. I mean, most of what we're doing is what IT did over the past 10 years. So why would we come up with a different way to communicate to the board? Why would we come up with a different way to communicate to senior leaders? Um, you know, it's worked. Uh, so let's leverage it. I mean, it doesn't, it's not a, you know, square peg, square hole. It's, it's an oval peg and an oval and a square hole and a round hole. And we have to massage it a bit to get there. Um, but I think what you look for are the, the people that are open, you know, and we've gone through an RFP process in this and, you know, you, you just have to figure out which ones are open to it and which ones aren't. Right. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll get a little bit specific here, but I won't mention names because I've, we, we spent money on one that maybe wasn't as open to it. Um, and we didn't get the outcome we're looking for. And we're about to embark on another journey um, where I feel much more confident um, that we're going to get to what we're looking for. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you know, just to give you a little bit of an example, sometimes we talk about standards, it becomes very engineering and technical heavy. Right? How do physical security systems go into a building? Um, and ultimately, I want our standards aligned to our outcomes. Right? We, we have physical security systems for a number of reasons. Uh, alarm management is probably one of the lowest on the list. It is really about identity and access management. Right? Who is going into our facilities? When are they going in? Are they going into the right spaces? And, and what does that mean when you're in a colo data center? And they're not your enterprise systems. So how do you pull that data back into a repository, into that data lake, that single source of truth, you know, to evaluate? 
Um, you know, we often, I think in security, will focus on what we can see, not on what's out there. And it's easy to look at our enterprise systems at the places we have them. And our greatest exposure is likely at the other places. Wow. That's pretty profound. And the whole idea of a data lake. Oh, well, we should stop then. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to get any better after that one, I guess, Ron. Now, this is, this is, this is an audio cast, by the way, and he just referenced he still has a job. And right behind him, because I can see him in this interview, is an open sign. So as long as that stays open, well, I guess I can keep interviewing him. Um, <laughs> so uh, let, let's go back now. Now you made me lose my train of thought. You shouldn't have done that. You threw me a full of it. But if we focus, um, if we go back and focus uh, on that, on that process, what expectations? You have a nose for innovation. And so I, I'd like you to maybe predict, what are you going to find going through this process that may lead to uh, the, next, uh, the next innovation within your, your program? Uh, I got a feeling it's going to have to do with data. Well, you know, I don't know how innovative it is, but, you know, one of the things that we're doing and, and we're working with is once you have these standards, you have to evaluate against them. And, you know, you don't want audit to be a once a year exercise, right? You want audit to be a continuous exercise. And, and so uh, one of the things that I'm looking at is, is how to use technology to maintain the diary, the, the knowledge base of those standards, um, and then how do we make sure that our global enterprise is actually meeting them? Um, and how do we display that, you know, visually in a continuous basis so that we can have that conversation either with the local leader, the business unit leader, or the senior leadership team and say, hey, listen, um, we've all aligned around the standard for these reasons. And, and we're, we've got an issue in this geo um, for this reason, do we, you know, now there's a million reasons why. I mean, the business could, you know, be lagging. They could be introducing something different that's taking up the bandwidth. And, and but it gives that visibility to the leadership team to go, well, we accept that because we recognize it. And from a roadmap perspective, we'll introduce it in three months when this other major initiative is done. Um, or we go, there's really not a good reason for this. We need to, you know, put the boot on and put it somewhere to drive some act action. Um, but that's, that's, I think the, one of the gaps that I see in the market is that, you know, with a lot of these providers, you ask for these written standards and you get them in a word document. Um, right. And, and what do you do with it? How do you incorporate that? It, you don't want them sitting on the shelf in the security team. Um, you want them adopted and, and included in the larger business governance program. Yeah, it's, it's basically introducing the concept of metadata involved in how you manage your people and process, right? Yeah, well, it's GRC. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's governance, risk, and compliance, and there's tools out there. And, and that's our starting point is we're looking at, you know, I, I try never to buy a new tool, right, a security-specific tool. Um, you know, you start with, well, what, is, what are the things that we're doing? And does anybody else in the company do that? Oh, we already subscribed to that thing. Well, let's try and use that first. Um, and, you know, so we do have a GRC tool and, you know, we're looking at how to adapt and adopt it because the other thing that you do, um, and I think it's, it's, it's just, maybe it's cultural at, at, at my company or maybe it's the right way across the board. Um, when you give something, when you give somebody something fairly good for free, 
but the gaps are clear, the, the, the business justification for the spend becomes much easier. And, you know, so you start with, hey, look, this is what we've done. And like, oh my God, this is great. But now I have three more questions. Well, okay, great. But we can't answer those questions with the existing tools. Here's a tool that will help us do that. And we don't have to add any headcount. Or I only need a contractor for six months to onboard this tool. And, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer, right? Especially for a publicly traded company. You start to have the conversation and say, oh, okay, well, that's a good resource. And that's going to get us somewhere. And that's going to make us more scalable. So great, let's, let's go there. Um, the hard part for me, and you know me well, and I know a couple people out there do, um, is that that actually takes some institutional patience. And you have to understand that that's going to take time to develop. You know what the answer is. It's, it's almost like, so I had back surgery a couple of years ago, and anybody that's had any major surgery has probably gone through this. I had to go get the shots, right? The insurance company said, I, we get it. You're going to have the surgery, but we have to check these boxes along the way all right, fine. So I delayed the surgery for three more months while I went and got the cortisone shots and felt better two weeks at a time and then felt crappy again. And then after the third round, they said, okay, you're approved for the surgery. Um, you know, and it's, it's painful. You get it. Um, you understand why and what they're guarding against. And there, there's legitimate reasons why, you know, and, and it's taken me 45 years, uh, you know, to figure that out um, and, and to be able to tap the brakes, allow the situation to develop and to get to that outcome, right? It, it's easy when you're that, you know, entry level specialist or manager to go, oh, here's my problem. I solved it. Look, it's harder the higher up you go um, and you have to accept that. No wine before it's time. That's it. <laughs> it's so funny, this idea, and I'm going to use a term you didn't use, but kind of along the same lines. And, you know, we, we will have members of the vendor ecosystem listening to this too. So heads up technology vendors, because listen to what Jason said. Sometimes you don't go for the whole thing. Sometimes you just go for the proof of concept, the first step, which exposes more, like you said, more of the value-based decision that needs to be made. It gives you that justification to move forward. No, if I were on the sell side, um, you know, land and expand would be a big part of my go-to-market. Um, you know, how do I demonstrate value at a small scale and a small price point um, with the opportunity to continually expand? Mm -hmm. um, you know, because the proof's in the pudding. I mean, it, it, you know, I, I've said it, heck, I've said it on your stage, right? Data breeds good questions, which breeds better data. So if you start with something that people go, wow, this is good, but I have three more questions. Well, okay, but we need a, a more capability. We need to expand this um, and we can do that for you. Or we can take the same methodology and apply it in these four other areas. Um, you know, that, that quickly translates to, to the expansion. Um, you know, I mean, there's just, there's no replacing positive results. And with that, I think that was a great conversation. Uh, Jason, a couple of questions I always ask at the end. Uh, reading materials, podcasts, uh, along, along the interview we just had, or it could be outside this interview, what, uh, what would you encourage people to read up on? 
you know, I, I don't subscribe to a ton. So when I was uh, younger, um, I used to read the Sunday paper every Sunday, and that was kind of my go-to. Um, as I matured as an early military officer, uh, The Economist became the thing. Um, and I was really big into print, loved reading magazines. I've never really gotten into the, the Kindle or the, you know, the ebook. Um, but I'll tell you the thing I, I mean, I do two things. I listen to NPR and I, re, and I, uh, do the Harvard business review. Um, I think there's a million podcasts out there that provide value, but I, what I've relied on is actually my, my peers and my colleagues and they text me or, you know, message me with individual things. So it's not like one channel. It's not one speaker. It is, you know, the topic, but I found that Harvard business review is just, Mm -hmm. It's phenomenal because it helps with uh, kind of the organizational management and change, but it also, uh, we need to be business people to be successful. I mean, you referred to our industry. Um, my industry is, is, is software. I just happen to be a security subject matter expert. Um, and, you know, I, that, that sounds kind of corny, but if you don't ground yourself that way, um, you're not bringing security to the company that you work at. You're making that company better at what they do. So understanding what they do and, you know, the dynamics behind it, I think is critical. And I'll tell you, I guarantee a couple members of your C-suite are reading Harvard Business Review. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and you heard me in a great conversation say, I've got good news and bad news. Uh, the, the good news is you're in the information management business. The bad news is you don't know it. <laughs> uh, and then the second question we'll end on, um, this is a members driven conversation. It isn't from an event organization. It's member driven. Who should be invited? Whose voice should be invited to the round table that you want uh, us to interview next? Well, you know, I mean, I think I'm kind of a, a unique one there just because, you know, I've had the opportunity to know you for quite a while at this point. And, um, you know, I, my background's in diplomatic security, and I, I tend to have a little cohort there. Um, so I, you know, I always find that interesting. Um, I will, I'm not going to throw anybody that I haven't spoken with under the bus on air, um, but I, I can definitely follow up. But I mean, you've, you've already had some great folks out there. Uh, you know, I know you had a Tyson, I know you had Steve, I know you had the other Steve. Um, so definitely some great folks out there, you know, from, from my initial cohort. And, uh, you know, I, I just look forward to who else you find. Um, well, I, I, I gotta tell you, you're right. Um, you, you guys, uh, you guys, former DSS guys all kind of, uh, informally adopted me into your, your cohort, which has been a, a rich seam of data for me. So I really appreciate it. Uh, this has been a great conversation with Jason Vyak, and we hope to have him on again at, when he's done having that, uh, that brainstorm meeting with that outside consultant on governance and standards. Thank yep, you. Thanks very much.